Father, we want to thank you for the gift of your Son and the gift of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus, the Word who became flesh and dwelt amongst us. God, we thank you today for your Word that is living and active, and we thank you for your Spirit that is at work. And so, God, we yield to you afresh today. We yield to the ministry of your Holy Spirit. We yield to the authority of your Word. We yield to you, and we say, God, have your way in us this day, that you would be glorified and that you would be exalted. The people said... Amen. Hey, I was, thinking this, I was thinking during the week, I was thinking about, about, you know, we often hear all kinds of different messages and stories at Christmas or this time of the year, but I was thinking about the two accounts, the first one being of the shepherds and the angels appeared to them. And, it, and the account of this is in Luke chapter 2. And it says, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. And the angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were afraid. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For look, behold, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news of great joy. How many people need joy in their life? Who needs more joy? Who needs more joy? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The enemy comes to steal and kill your hope and your joy amongst other things. But this is good news of great joy. Today... In the city of David, a saviour was born for you, He's the, who is the Messiah, he is Christ the Lord. There's a declaration right there. Today is born the saviour. And then if we turn to the other account, the other account who is the, the wise men in Matthew chapter 2, says after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and we have come to worship him. So the declaration to the shepherds is a saviour has been born. He is Christ the Lord. The declaration to the wise men is that a king has been born. Jesus is both Saviour and King. That's why we're in a kingdom. Those born again are born again into the kingdom of God. Jesus said in John 3, unless you are born again from above, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot see the kingdom of heaven. So there's two declarations here. But I guess the question is today, do we know him as Saviour and do we know him as King? It's not know about him, is it? It's knowing him. We read in the Gospel of John in chapter 5. It says, you diligently study the Scriptures, verse 39, because you think you have eternal life in them, and yet they testify about me. 
but you are not willing to come to me so that you may have life. You see, it's one thing to know about somebody, but it's another thing to know them. You can know a lot about people. If you have someone that you follow online or on social media, you can Google them and you can find out lots of information about them. True? You can find out their birth, particularly if they're famous. I had a person that I, that I knew many, many years ago. I've lost touch with him over the last 30 years. Yeah, that's about right. Justin Langer, cricket cricketer, coach of the Australian cricket team. I actually stayed at his house in Western Australia. Nice pool, nice sauna, nice tennis court. Nice Mazda RX-7. See, there's lots of things that I know about him, but I wouldn't say I know him. I knew him a little bit back then, but it's been 30 years. But you could Google him online. You could find out his birth date. You could find out all kinds of things about him. You can, you can find out where he lives. You can find out the history of everything he does. You can find out all kinds of things about him. And this is what Jesus was pointing at. You can diligently study the Scriptures. And I'm not saying not to get in the Word of God. Please do not hear that. We need to be in the Word of God. But you can diligently study the Scriptures and think that that's it. But but. But it's not just about knowing about him, it's actually about knowing him. Jesus didn't come, the word of God didn't come as flesh so that we could just know about him. He came that we would know him. God in form, amen? And when he ascended into heaven, he sent his Holy Spirit that we could know him. Is there an amen? So the question is, do you know him? You can be born in church, you can be raised in church, but it doesn't mean you know him. You, you can attend church on a Sunday, every Sunday, but it doesn't mean you know him. I think he wants us to know him more. There is a deeper walk. There is a revelatory walk. There is, there is, there is, a, there is a stirring of the Holy Spirit for those that are open that we would know him. And as we know him, we become like him. Because those that you, that you hang around enough, you start to become like them, whether that's good or not so good. That's why it says in Scripture that as we behold him in all his glory, we too are changed from one degree of glory to another, to another, to another. It's by knowing him. It's not by us trying harder. It's by coming to know him. And that goes against the fabric of our, of our upbringing. Let's try harder. Do more. But no, no, we just need to learn to know him. The world, the world we live in is so busy. The enemy wants to make us busy. He wants to fill us with all kinds of stuff so that, that, that we don't know the one who gave his life for us. Jesus made all kinds of declarations. Let's just look at a couple in the Gospel of John. Is that okay? He says in chapter 7, he says in verse 38, The one who believes in me, as the Scriptures have said, will have streams of living water, rivers of living water flowing from deep within him. That's a good one. 
Do you want to have rivers of living water flowing from you? More? More rivers? More? More of the flow of His Spirit? He said in John 10.10, He said, it's the enemy that comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come so that you may have life and you may have it in abundance. Who wants that abundant life? Jesus has promised abundant life. It's not just a fairy tale. It's actually true. It doesn't, it doesn't mean you're not going to have some issues along the way. You're not going to have some battles. You're not going to have that. But in the midst of that, you can know him and have life and overcome those very obstacles. In John chapter 11, verse 25, he says, when speaking about Lazarus and he's talking to Mary, uh, Martha, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. How cool is that? Listen to this promise. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. So even though we die, we live. That's why we can say, death, where is your sting? And grave, where is your victory? But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory in Jesus Christ. Is there an amen? You have the victory in Jesus Christ. That's why Paul could say to live is Christ and to die is gain. Then in John 14, he makes this declaration. He says in verse 6, probably nearly everyone here knows this one. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. Now, doesn't that go against the grain of what the world teaches you? There is many ways to God. There is many ways to heaven. There are many ways. No, no, no. There's only one way, and that is Jesus Christ. It's pride in the heart of man that stops them from yielding to God that they would know him in all these ways and more. He is a good God. We sang that before. So my question is today, who is Jesus to you? Who is this Jesus and who is he to you? Is he both saviour and king? Jesus said this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and the one you have sent. This is eternal life. Those that have been around me long enough have heard me say that eternal life is not something that happens when you die and you go to be with him in glory. Eternal life comes when you begin to know him. Eternal life is now. You don't wait. You know, like in, in the natural, when someone dies, you get the inheritance. Yep, your parents pass on and you get their inheritance. Well, Jesus has done that for us and eternal life starts now. It's now. It's not waiting. It's now. There is so much in the kingdom of God that God has for us now. Yes, the fullness is to come, but there is so much in the kingdom of God that is now. It is, it, it is on earth as it is in heaven. Is there an Amen. But this, this knowing, this knowing, this, the Greek word for knowing is this intimate knowledge of. 
relationship with, experience of. It's not from a distance. It's not hearing just about Him. It's this intimate knowledge, relational, experiential encounter that is ongoing with Him. We know Him and we are changed. And that is not just a once-off thing. That continues to happen because there is so much to know about God. There is so much to know of Him. When you truly know that you are forgiven of all your sin, once and for all, that He has died, all of a sudden you live in freedom and you can forgive those that have wronged you. There are so many even Christians that are walking around in unforgiveness because of stuff that has happened and they're tied in bondages. But if you know that Jesus Christ has truly forgiven you, who are you to not show forgiveness to someone else? When you know that you are loved, when you know that you are loved beyond measure, that he has poured out his love and that nothing can separate you from his love, it is only then that you can actually start to love others as Christ loved you. And yes, that even includes the ones that grate you up the wrong way. Anyone ever got any one of those people in their life, people that grate them the wrong way? It is only by the knowledge that you are loved without measure. (sighs) That you can love others. It's not us trying to work this up. It's us actually surrendering. That born-again experience That born-again experience is when I yield to him and I say, God, I am nothing without you. But with you, I am everything because you are everything. It is a yielding to him. You know, we've been looking at the kingdom of God on and off over the last few months. It's so relevant because... If you've been raised, I was raised in a church, in a group of people, loved the word, loved Jesus, but it was very law-bound. Try harder, try harder, try harder, try harder, try harder, try harder. Guess what happens when you try harder? Eventually you're going to fail. And you feel shame and you feel guilt and you feel all this stuff and you just get stuck in a cycle. And then years and years ago, I encountered the revelation of the new covenant, what Jesus has done for us. And I was like, oh, it was like opening a Christmas present with my name on it. And I was opening the package because he said, I will give you a new heart. I give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and I will cause you to follow my statutes and my ordinances. Who who has done that for us? I 
I will give you, he said, I will give you a new heart and I will put my spirit in you. How good is that? And I realized in that moment that I, that I knew lots of stuff about God. I knew lots of stuff, you know, from like I could memorize scripture. I knew all kinds of stuff. I was trying to be a good person in following Jesus. But, but, I, but I realized in that moment that that wasn't the fullness of what Christ paid, paid for at Calvary. He actually said, no, no, no. He said, I'm actually going to remove from you your heart of stone and I'm actually going to give you a heart of flesh. I'm actually going to put my spirit in you and so that you're going to know me and that you're going to follow me and you're going to be changed from glory to glory to glory because it's my spirit that is at work with you. What you couldn't do for yourself, what the old covenant, what the laws couldn't do for you, I will do for you by putting myself in you. How good is that? What a gift. What a gift. And then he says, and this is why Jesus said, abide. Hands up who struggles to abide sometimes. Oh, only a few of you. I reckon we all struggle to abide, rest, stay, dwell, remain at some point, don't we? He says, abide in me. Remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Look at that. Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. What is your experience of Jesus? What is your experience of Christianity? What is your experience? So much of what we think is defined by our experiences. But I believe he's saying to us, get to know me more. He is the saviour that was declared to the shepherds. A saviour is born to you, Christ the Lord. He is the saviour. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. There is not many ways. There's just one way. And that is not a popular message today in our society. But we stand and we say, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. And Jesus is the life. Is there an amen? So he wants us to know him. And so I want to finish these thoughts today by saying, whatever you seek, you will find. And some of you have heard me say this before. Whatever you seek, you will find. If you start to think about buying a new car and a particular model, you will start to see it everywhere throughout Bundaberg. And you go, wow, there's a lot of those models here. You know what? They were always there, but you just weren't looking at it. Whatever you seek, you will find. And this is why the Lord said right throughout Scripture, seek me. Seek me. Seek me with all your heart and you will find me. Seek me and live. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first his righteousness. Seek him. It's a constant theme throughout Scripture. Seek Him. Seek. Seek. The wise men were seeking. The, angel, the, the, the shepherds were seeking. People were seeking. Whatever you seek, you will find. People often say to me, Tim, how did you get from there to there in your walk with the Lord? The simple answer was, God, there has to be more to it than this. 
and he does the rest. It's just me yielding. It's you yielding and saying, God, I know there's more. God, I want more. More of you. More of who you are in my life. The reality of the new birth experience, God. I want to live in the fullness of the reality of the new birth experience. I want to walk in the fullness of your presence, the fullness of your glory, the fullness of your love, the fullness. I don't want to just read about passages in Scripture where they walked past people and their very shadows healed people and people said, look what God has done. I don't want to just read about it. I want to walk in it. I want to be the people that are walking along the street and there's someone that I don't even know has got cancer and all of a sudden they are healed by the presence of God and the touch of God. I don't want to just read about it. Is there a stirring in you that says, I want more. I want more of you, Jesus. There is so much more and I want that. Is that stirring in your heart today? Is that stirring in your life today? Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart is also. So what are you treasuring? The greatest treasure is Jesus. The greatest treasure is Jesus. Don't get caught up in things that don't really matter. And I'm not just just talking about worldly possessions and stuff. I'm talking about, oh, that Steve guy, I'm still holding on to that thing that he did to me a few years ago. Oh, I'm still holding on to that, Steve. Not really. Don't get caught up in things that don't really matter. Put your Holy Spirit, blood of Jesus, Teflon coating on. Nothing sticks. Don't get caught up in things that don't matter. So many people. You see it on social media. You see, put, you see people, Christians, believers, put stuff on social media and you go, man, you are full of rejection. You're full of bitterness. You're full of anger. You're full of unforgiveness. Like, it's, why? Why get caught up in things that don't really matter? Treasure Jesus. Treasure Jesus. Treasure him. I want to close with this. See, I'm I'm not getting you out at one o'clock. I'm pretty good, aren't I? Luke 24. The account of the disciples, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. They were discussing, this is the, the two disciples were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, can you imagine that? You're walking along with your best buddy and you're talking about and you're discussing everything that took place. Everything, everything what, 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 what happened to Jesus, you know, everything that happened. And they began arguing about it. Wow. We're missing something here, aren't we? They were missing something. 
They're arguing. And Jesus himself came near and he began to walk with them. This is a beautiful picture, isn't it? At that time, they were prevented from recognizing him. What prevented them from recognizing him? There's lots of different theories out there. Did God prevent them from recognizing him? Or was something in them actually preventing them from recognizing him? They were discussing and they were arguing. And often when we're distracted, we don't recognize him. How true is that? We get distracted and we don't recognize what Jesus is doing in our lives or in a situation at that point in time. And he asked them, what is this dispute that you're having with with each other as you're walking? And they stopped walking and they looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas answered, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened there in these days? There was the, so the word was out everywhere, wasn't it? What things he asked them. Jesus is so clever. He just loves asking questions. That's how he ministered a lot throughout his time. He would do something and then they'd ask him a question and then he'd answer it. That's a really good model of evangelism, by the way. Ask people questions. Don't try to force feed them. Ask them a question. So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, who was a, pow- a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they were crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Isn't it interesting that often we look for a saviour and we look for a king who's going to transform our government? And every time, and I'm not saying we don't, because Scripture says to pray for all our leaders in government, but we're looking for a government to lead our nation in righteousness. Isn't that what happens every election time? We're praying and we're looking for a government to lead us in righteousness. But Jesus wasn't concerned about the Roman rulers. He actually came and established his kingdom in the midst of it. Good thought for us. What does God want to do in us and through us in his kingdom that will make the kingdoms of this world begin to shake? That's what it's meant to be. We're not meant to be looking for a saviour through our politicians. We already have a saviour and we already have a king. We just need to live as Jesus as our saviour, our Lord and our king and let the kingdom of God start to shake the other things around us. I could get a little bit excited about that, but anyway, um, I'll take up too much time, so we'll go back to that another day. Moreover, some, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they didn't see him. And he said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. 
Oh, now it's going on. Wow, I didn't see Jesus in that passage. Wow, I didn't see Jesus in that circumstance. Wow, I didn't see the purposes of God. And sometimes we're walking through life and we're navel-gazing. And we're going through stuff in life and we're going, woe is me, woe is me, where are you, God? What is, what are, what is happening? And he said, just lift your vision. Oh, wow, I didn't see that you were doing that. I didn't understand that that was happening. Wow. And they came near the village where they were going and he gave the impression that he was going farther. You stay here. Bye. I'm going. But they urged him, stay with us because it's almost evening and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. It was, at, it was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognised him but he disappeared from their sight. Then they said to each other, I love this verse, weren't our hearts burning within us whilst we, he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures? Wasn't our heart burning? Is your heart burning? If your heart is not burning... Maybe you need to say, God, I need you more. And you watch the flame of the Holy Spirit start to begin to burn in your heart. If your heart is starting or already burning, what are you going to do with it? Because Jesus said, the one who believes in me, out of them will flow Rivers of living water. For some time we've had a constant vision of a river, the river of God flowing. And there are some people that have jumped in the river and they're flowing. But there are other people that are sitting on the bank. Well, I want to say to you this Christmas, jump in the river. Ho! Ho! <laughs> oh. That was unexpected. Woo! Jump in the river. <laughs> Jump in the river. Don't wait till tomorrow because you don't know what tomorrow's got. Do it today. If you don't know Jesus, now's the time to know Jesus. I'm not talking about knowing about him. I'm talking about knowing him. We're going to have an altar call today. If you don't know Jesus, then I invite you to come up here today. And I want to pray with you. I don't mind. My family will start cooking the, cooking the, the roast in the oven. I'll just stay here and just keep praying for people because I want you to know Jesus. Oh. And I want you to flow, jump in, into the river that he has for you. The river of grace, the river of life, the river of healing, the river of hope, the river of joy, the river, the river of God. It's time for his people 
to know him. Oh, so intimately. His presence is here. Oh. So we're going to worship. If you don't know Jesus, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus and today is the day, but maybe you've been in church for years and you still don't really know Jesus as your saviour, as your king. The front is open. If you need prayer for healing, you need a word of encouragement, it's all open.